when we let it be about a battle between us and them, that's when it gets really ugly on our part and their part. And that's when relationships get broken. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. So we had a reader ask us through our Facebook channel. Okay. Um, she had a question. She said she has a 14-year-old son, and she's wondering about what is effective discipline for a 14-year-old boy. You know, people, people don't tell you that. There's lots of books about d- disciplining your younger child. Mm-hmm. The full range. Right. tell you all kinds of different things. Right. But books about parenting the teens tend to be all in. Surviving it. Surviving it. Not so much. How do you handle it? So let's right. talk about that a minute. Well, I think, okay. Most, well, by the time that you get, get to asking, what do I do about my teenager? You have already dealt with the younger ages. So I think we can start from that point. You know, an awful lot of the. The, for the young kids, we know Ted Tripp says their major command is honor your father and your mother. Right. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. He said that's the major thing that you need to focus on with the younger kids. Right. That's what they need to learn. They need, and, and so much of that is really based on just managing the behavior. You know, don't torture the cat. That's cruel. You know, <laughs> don't touch the stove. It's hot. There's a lot of things. Don't hit you, your brother. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of that. You did something bad. Here is an immediate unpleasant consequence. Now don't do it again. And, I, and you know, no, I, when they, go ahead. I'm well, sorry. I was going to say, I, yeah, that's valid because the external behavior is what hurts other people. Right. And they do, they need to learn right and wrong. And they need to learn that mm-hmm. there's a moral wrong, mm-hmm. that there's a law of God that God expects you to keep mm-hmm. and that you're breaking it. Right. You know, that all of our, all of our discipline should point our kids ultimately to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because discipline comes from the same word as disciple. Right. It's, it's a learning. And why do we teach our kids right from wrong? So mm-hmm. they can understand mm-hmm. when they do wrong and they can understand that they're sinners in need of a savior. That they need God's forgiveness it's, and they need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in order to live a life that's pleasing to their creator. When you realize that, it makes it a lot easier to keep your temper in discipline. Because too often we let discipline be about, you're on my nerves and you're messing up my day. Cut it out. Yes. And you're causing me problems. And when we let it be about a battle between us and them, that's when it gets really ugly on our part and their part. And that's when relationships get broken. When we let it be about a battle between us and them, that's when it gets really ugly on our part and their part. And that's when relationships get broken. Rather than reminding ourselves because, hey, you're on my nerve. That's natural. You'll get that. Yeah. But (laughs) reminding ourselves, hey, you know what? This poor child inherited a sinful nature from me. And I've got to help him or her get past this and find some way to get through it because I know I struggle and they don't have the, the adult sense that I do. And that changes things from how could you to, honey, don't you understand? This is wrong. 
Yeah. Whole different perspective there. Yeah, it is. But as they move into the preteens and then the early teens, like this mom, the way we discipline has to change. Well, if you continue disciplining your 16-year-old the way that you disciplined him, he was eight years old, you're going to find it doesn't work. You're going to have a bad, not, broken relationship. It, 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 the effectiveness changes significantly. And I think that's something which a lot of, a lot of parents don't realize, particularly with the first one going through it, is that when they hit those preteen years and they start the transition into adolescence, you're dealing with a different person. I mean, they are changing and your relationship with them has to change or else it's going to be left behind. A 14 year old is a young adult. Yeah. Now he's a young adult and he needs mm -hmm. a lot of guidance and a lot of mentorship, mm -hmm. a lot of discipline, but he's not a, a child anymore. No. And when we recognize that we can protect our relationship with our teens. And that is probably the most critical piece of, dis of discipline in the teen years. Because mm -hmm. there comes a point that you can't make them anymore. Even if you manage to make them till they leave home, mm -hmm. at some point you're not going to be there to catch them and, and to make their life horrible. Well, and it's like a relationship with God in a sense that it's not just about crime and punishment. There's a whole lot more to that relationship. But if we make it all about the conflict, then, you know, what's well, going to, what's going to draw them? An older teen that you have a good relationship with, often a word to the wise is sufficient. Correct. You know, uh, a 17-year-old that you have a great relationship with, son, please don't talk to your sister like that. Oh, sorry. A 17-year-old you have a bad relationship with, I'll do what I want. Mm -hmm. And right. so let's talk about how do we preserve relationship with a 14-year-old? And what kind of discipline is appropriate and how, how you go about that. I think the most important part of preserving a relationship is listening to them. That means even when they're angry and out of control. Mm -hmm. So instead of angry fit to 14 year old, don't talk to me that way. Leave the room. It becomes angry fit 14 year old. Whoa, sit down. Let's talk. What's going on here? Well, I think I think that's a that's a key thing to take a breath yeah. before you respond, and you know to ask. I mean, one of the things I've found a lot of times with our kids, and we've got great kids, great relationship, all the rest of that. But I find when they get into this stage, a lot of times they will say something, and I will feel my hackles raise, and I have to take a breath and say, "Okay, now." Did you mean that the way that I received it? Let's talk about this for a minute. And, and I find that. And sometimes they did. Sometimes they did and you deal with it then. But, right. But a lot of times I find that our kids are just, they're trying to express something and they're drawing from bad examples on TV or bad examples from their friends. or Bad just, examples in their parents. Or their own <laughs> sinful hearts or whatever. Yeah. But they, they will say something that they don't really mean it the way it sounds. They just don't. They don't understand what it sounds like. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I've had to do a lot of coaching with our teenagers to say, now, look, this is how it sounds to me. And I love you and I'm always going to love you. But your employer is not always going to love you. Your professor is not always going to love you. You know, the people that you have to have an outside relationship with may not be patient enough to say, 
pardon me, that was a bit abrasive. Do you want to express that a little differently? No, they'll say clean out your desk. Yeah, they'll <laughs> say leave the room or whatever. So we need to, yeah, we need to be working with this mindset of don't react just because of the way it felt to you, but rather say, okay, what is the long-term effect of this behavior? And how can I teach them, yes. disciple them, coach them, so that they will make a better choice when the stakes are higher. Yeah. You know? So what we do is just like, you know, if you have a friend that pops off at you, mm -hmm. do you pop off at them? If you do, you probably don't have many friends. You know, you, you say, whoa, I'm sorry. What, what just happened here? Are, mm -hmm. Did I do something wrong? You try to figure out what's going on. There's something underlying it. And so when we say, sit down, let's talk. What's happening here? Mm -hmm. Can you explain what, what do you mean by that? What did you just say? And you talk it through with them. You're investing in the relationship. You're showing them that you care enough to try to understand. Mm -hmm. Whereas the enemy is saying, you don't love me. They don't love you and they don't understand. Nobody understands you. Right. Right. But you're showing them, I love you and I want to understand. And you know what? The Proverbs say that a soft answer turns away wrath. And sometimes that wrath is from the younger person throwing it up at the, at the grown ups. And so, you know, when we stay calm and judicial, if you want to think of it that way, yes. you know, I think about a judge on the bench, they don't lose their temper. They don't start screaming. They're, back at they're in charge of this room. Okay. They can take care of the situation. If the defendant pops off, then they just correct them and move on. And, you know, when we can keep that mindset that, look, I don't have to win. I've already won. God's put me in this position, but I can teach them through this if I understand them so that I can touch where their heart is hurting and say, okay, now let's figure this out. And if it's something that I've done, then I need to repent and apologize and ask for forgiveness. Sometimes it is. Sometimes that child who's always in trouble, you leap to the conclusion that they're the trouble and they're not. And maybe they're not this time. Sometimes we do have to apologize. Sometimes mm -hmm. we just, ha they've lost it because they're unhappy with reality and we have to explain reality to them. Mm -hmm. A mm -hmm. lot of times though it is sin and they're wrong. In which case, once you've listened and heard and you've let themselves talk, you've let them talk themselves off the cliff, you know, <laughs> right. You know, they backed away from the cliff. They, they've, they've gotten under control. Right. Then they can hear you. And then you take them to the word of God and you explain, you know, I understand you're upset, but the word of God says that you're supposed to honor your father and your mother. Is that honor? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, the word of God says to turn the other cheek. Was your three-year-old sister really going to hurt you? Right. Did you really have to defend yourself to get against her? You're, you weigh 10 times what she does. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and that's something I find I've had to have that conversation with our boys as they go lot. through this stage a lot to explain to them, you know what, you're, you're not evenly matched anymore. You've had a growth spurt. They have not. I don't think they really realize that. I think They don't. I think they see their younger siblings as their peers, and they don't realize that now you're six feet tall and they're four foot two. Yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't realize there is a significant, I mean, 
the ground is level at the foot of the cross, as they say. Okay, we're all peers in the eyes of God. And yet in the physical world, at this particular stage of your respective developments, of course, now you always warned them that the little brother was going to be the biggest in the crowd. He ended up what? the biggest. He is. Yes, he, he is. Ha. But, you know, that, yeah, there's a, there's a differential there when one of you is at the growth spurt and one of you is not. And you just have to say, look, I'm a young adult now. I'm bigger than he is. I can take a few lumps here. You know, I've got to be careful of the smaller ones and the more innocent ones, because now I have a responsibility being part of the grown-up set. Often, if you listen first, then by the time you explain to them what they've done wrong, you've listened and then explained. Lots of times at that point, they're repentant. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you still need to administer some discipline to help them to remember next time. Okay, and that's appropriate. Now, <clears throat> what are some principles? Well, like one principle which we find in Hebrews is that no discipline seems joyful at the time. So if it's unpleasant, that's supposed, it's supposed to, be. to be. It's supposed to, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's supposed to smart in some respect. Now, I don't think that you need to administer the same kind of correction to a 14-year-old that you would have to a 4-year-old because it would be humiliating. And mm -hmm. humiliation is not how you discipline your children. No. You know, that's how you break relationships. That, that hurts them in another area. And, and so what do you do? Well, one of the best rules of thumb is to ask, what's a natural consequence for this behavior? As Gilbert and Sullivan said, the Mikado, let the punishment fit the crime. Right. You I know? mean, the simple, simple example is you were careless and you threw a baseball through the window. Natural consequence is... You've got to either repair the window or you've got to pay somebody else to do it. Yes. I mean, that's a natural, because guess what? That's what happens to grownups, right? That's what happens if we have an accident in traffic because we were careless or if we weren't careless, but it's still our fault. We pay and pay and pay. As we, pay for, <laughs> we pay for it one way or another. We fix it or the insurance company charges us higher, higher premiums because they had to pay for it one way or another we're going to have to take responsibility. And that's a great way to handle it with your teenagers when they need that kind of correction to say, look, you caused a problem, you broke it, you fix it. And if it's a relationship issue, if you broke the relationship, you've got to figure out how you can make amends to the person that you've injured. Yeah. Okay. And because that's the way that you that's deal right. with grownups. Right. And mm -hmm. so natural consequences are a great way to discipline a young teen, let them pay for it, let them do chores for the person that they have hurt or offended or taken their time away. Mm -hmm. Let them um, let them do something that would build the virtue that they're lacking in. Mm -hmm. You know, if they are if they are not taking care of things, maybe they need to take care of more things or take care of things more often. Find natural consequences. Other things, mm -hmm. though. If they're having trouble with controlling their temper and their hormonal surges, which hormonal surges in that for boys tends to be that 10 to 14 year old range, you know, when they're mm -hmm. with girls, it tends to be a little bit younger and they cry for no reason. They get angry for no reason. Right. They, they're like the Hulk. They, they lose control, <sighs> turn green and shirt pops off or something. Yeah exercise and hard physical labor is a great thing for that age. Well, and, and that's the, yeah. I mean, you think, you, you know, maybe 
dad can contribute to this. You know, what, what happens if you goof off during sports practice? Was the co- the coach made me go stand in the corner with my nose in in the crack until I was repentant and I came no. back and apologized. No. no, you run around the field or you no, run up down the ble- run, bleachers run, or yeah. you do push ups, ran laps, or you know if you were in the army and you were slacking off during drill and they say drop and give me twenty push ups, grunt, and they would you yeah you go do it or you but go you clean out the re- latrines or peel the potatoes or and and that's that's you know some hard physical stuff and sometimes you know sometimes the only problem is a matter of appropriate behavior, you know, that they're too loud or too noisy or too busy, you know, that they can't settle down and say, all right, go run off some energy. You just need yeah. to, you know, work a little starch out here. And, and that's, you know what? And we grownups get that too sometimes, right? I mean, the army will tell you that your coach will tell you that. And, and that's, that's not humiliating any, you know, any more than any adult would deal with. One okay. thing I, I don't like about that is a common punishment for this age is mm-hmm. making kids write Bible verses. I don't like that because yeah. I don't want the word of God to be a punishment to them. Mm-hmm. I want them to seek its solace. And I understand where they're coming from. Right. You see, this child has a character issue. They need to learn the scripture about that character issue. I think a better way to deal with it is to discipline in some other way and then say, you know, I am seeing we're struggling with this concept in our family right now. Right. We're mm-hmm. going to all memorize, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as so, God in Christ forgave you. In, We've had to do that. In, in other <laughs> words, you take the, you take the, the scriptural, um, you take the scriptural admonition and discipline away from the heat of the moment. Right. You don't want it to be like, you did poorly, and so I'm going to hit you with the Bible, but rather to say, okay, now that we have dealt with this immediate issue, okay, let's talk about something that you obviously are having some issues with, and maybe we can help develop a character that will prevent these in the future, yes. much to your happiness. Yes. You know, your life will be, your life will be happier, and so will ours, yes. you know, but I, and I think that's, yeah, I think that's important too, because the script, the scripture should be our guide in our discipline, in our behavior, in the things we teach our children. But and, I think they need to see that we submit ourselves to the scriptures first. Yes. That they're not a weapon for the parents to oppress the younger generation. No, and and that doesn't mean that you don't bring it up when they Mm-mm. sin. You say, yeah, you know, God says this is wrong. We can't do this. Right. But I'm not comfortable with using the scripture itself as a discipline. As yeah, to use it as the discipline. Right. tool itself in that sense. Likewise, yes. right. um, a lot of boys struggle with writing mm-hmm. and it's hard for them. And it is tempting sometimes to say, I'm going to assign you to write something because I know you hate that. Again, writing is something they really badly need to be doing. Probably not good to turn that into a punishment either. They already feel punished by it. <laughs> yeah. Just the fact of it punishes. And so, but I, right. I really love natural consequences. You know what? You threw a fit. You took three hours of mom's time today. Mom had things she needed to do. Mm-hmm. You need to go do the things mama needed to do or do some mom's other work so that she can get her stuff done. Well, and, and that's, you know, you, you talk about talking them down out of the tree or whatever. Off the ledge. To, off the ledge to say, okay, now that sense has come back into your mind and logic has entered into the equation once more, you know, yeah. When they're calmer, a lot of times they say, 
you know, you're right. When they're back in their right mind, they say, I don't know what I was thinking. Okay. And there's good biblical examples where, you know, if somebody has stolen something, even if they needed it badly, you know, even if a poor man stole to feed his family, when he's caught, it says, okay, you need to restore what you've stolen and pay a penalty on top of that. You know, that idea of restitution is biblical. And sometimes that restitution is going to be, you know, monetary wealth of some way. Sometimes it's going to be time and attention and other ways that we contribute. And I think that, I think that in our right mind, we can say, yeah, that's just. And at the end, I think it's super important to, just like you do with a younger child, do you want to be forgiven? Use right. biblical language, point them to the gospel, encourage them to remember, to remember why we're doing this. You know, that we've done wrong. We need to repent. We need to ask God for, to forgive us. We need to ask the people we've offended to forgive us. Mm -hmm. we, we need to be forgiven because when we use that biblical language of forgiveness, then we can point them to the gospel. And that's the important thing to remember. You know what? I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. But God has provided a sacrifice for our sins. And we can all be sorry. I mean, yeah, great. But there's a sorrow that leads to repentance. And that's what we really need to encourage to say, okay, yeah, you feel sorry, you feel guilty, and that should turn you to the gospel. That should turn you to doing the right thing, um, not just, I'm sorry I got caught. I am sorry that everybody's mad at me. I'm sorry that the world is stinks. But, <laughs> but, but will you ever look my sin? To say, okay, I need forgiveness. And then you forgive them. Yeah. And that's hard. It's really hard sometimes, especially mm -hmm. when it's the third time this week that they've ruined your day. Or when they have broken something that was important to you or yes. they caused you to miss an appointment. And sometimes, you know, sometimes there there's limits to what they can restore. Well, right? and that's I remember two of ours cutting up mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. falling into an antique chair and destroying it. And, and, and it broke my heart. We'd had that chair for decades. Right. But it wouldn't have been just mm -hmm. for me to require of them what they destroyed because it was, it was all out of proportion to what was going on. And when we get into that situation, I think sometimes we need to recall to ourselves that God forgave us of much more yes. at the cost of his son. We can never repay that. That's right. We could never have repaid any of it. And so, you know, if we've said, I wish they hadn't broken grandma's chair or they wish that, you know, this thing could be recaptured and it can't, but you know, God was willing to forgive so much more on our account. And if, and if we feel the wrench of forgiving it of our kids, you know, how must it have felt to our father to punish his son in our place? You know, maybe that should be a lesson to us. To turn us to gratefulness, not anger. Yeah. I hope well, this has been a help to you. I hope so too. Yeah. Come I mean, check out our, um, our store and Check our blog out. at raisingrealmen.com. And if you have questions or comments or requests, call our listener response line. You can come out to 919-295-0321, and that'll be in the show notes. We'll put it on the screen if you're watching in on YouTube. But at that number, you can leave us a message, and we'll be glad to try and get an answer to you on a future episode. So once again, 919-295-0321. All right, okay. and so, check out our subscription box at CrossFitCrate.com. Great.
So, till next time, I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. Thanks for joining us. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.